Too many steps have been taken, returning to the root and the source. Better to have been blind and deaf from the beginning, dwelling in one's true abode, unconcerned with that without. The river flows tranquilly on and through the flowers red. Barefooted and naked of breast, I mingle with the people of the world. My clothes are ragged and dust-laden, and I am ever blissful. I use no magic to extend my life. Now, before me, the dead trees become alive. Inside my gate, a thousand sages do not know me. The beauty of my garden is invisible. Why should one search for the footprints of the patriarchs? I go to the marketplace with my wine bottle and return home with my staff. I visit the wine shop and the market, and everyone I look upon becomes enlightened. Hello and welcome to thin air. <laughs> uh, after, or in the beginning of the last uh, little talk, I informally dubbed this uh, series of podcasts Be Here Now, because that really is um, the underlying theme, but um, I wasn't too happy with that. Uh, I don't feel that that should be be labeled on unnecessarily anything, and uh, as it's not really... I mean, it's, a, it's an image that I enjoy, but it's not really mine to brand as I would have done. So um, I'm just going to call these Thin Air. So welcome to Thin Air. Um, I feel that it's hard not to start each little talk without uh, having thought about the previous one and addressing any omissions or... Um, it's just like each magazine uh, issue has uh, the corrections from the previous issue um, in the same spirit. So, uh, not that not that I feel that anything from yesterday necessarily needs to be uh, corrected, but um, there were a couple couple points that I that I had thought and wanted to share that were kind of interesting, and really, actually more what's just going to happen here, I think, is uh, just a continuation of yesterday's talk and then getting into um, some additional material that I find interesting. So um, the, the topic yesterday was, why do anything at all, was the question. And uh, I kind of danced all around the topic. I, I'm not sure I ever really gave a very concrete um, indication of exactly what it was that I was talking about. Uh, I think for most people, even hearing the, the title of, of that talk, Why Do Anything at All, um, I, don't, I don't know if that's something that's universally felt or if that's something that I have just felt for whatever reason. So um, in, in that aspect, I guess I will kind of preface where this whole um, issue kind of came from, uh, for me at least. And really, I think um, if I could find a root 
or something sticking above ground that I could pull up and get at the root of um, where that kind of feeling came from. I think it it might be a... I was going to say misinterpretation, but that might not be right because I'm not sure there's a right interpretation. But I guess just my early interpretation of Taoism and Taoist principles and uh, the idea... I think Taoism, the entire uh, um, I'm not even really sure what you would call Taoism um, the, the idea of, of the Tao uh, could be summarized most generally and easily as um, go with the flow um, Tao traded, uh, translated into English typically is translated as the way um, the way of nature, and I've just kind of always taken that to to mean um, the, that thing that, that everything is doing anyway, um, and always. And uh, the way, uh, or the path, sometimes is, it's translated, uh, may, might not be the best translation, I feel, because a path tends to imply a linear... Um, bounds, a track, if you will, that everything is uh, inextricably bounded to. And that might be that might be a Western interpretation placed on top of it. Uh, really, the, the way um, Tao, the way, um, I think the flow is almost more um, to the point. And the flow of what, you might ask? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would say just the flow of, of energy and the continuous field of ever-happening happening. The one, uh, the one action that is being performed uh, and through which everything arises. And so with that uh, question of why do anything at all, um, I think if you, if you start getting into Taoism a little bit, it, it really almost seems like a, a call to inaction, or at least a, a suggestion to pay attention to the processes that are happening around us and through us and in us, and rather than trying to play manager to those or to uh, try and control those uh, forces, whether they be the uh, inherent nature of, of ourselves and our own natural tendencies or just the whole um, field of, of human and non-human um, happening and experience. Um, not trying to look at that as a, a system which needs help. I think a lot of uh, Western uh, troubles come from the idea that, uh, and it goes back to our underlying mythology, I mean, even if we are scientifically minded and don't subscribe to a Judeo-Christian um, worldview still, I mean, this entire society has at its underpinning um, a series of 
unexamined metaphysical concepts which derive directly from that um, mythological system. And uh, even though we've, to a large extent, removed the, the deity, we've um, almost neutered the Godhead, we still retain these, uh, these concepts. And probably the, uh, the most prevalent one is just the idea that in, in the world there is, uh, there is some basic stuff that was created at some point, whether it was by a, a heavenly father or a scientific event, <laughs> a big bang, if you will, um, that there is some stuff here that, you know, when you, you pick up a pebble and you hold it in your hands and you, and you look at it and feel it, that there is some stuff that it is made of. And uh, so when we think about ourselves in this world, we tend to think about us as little creatures inhabiting this, this space of material that is just kind of under these natural laws or divine laws, but just kind of a stupid system that, that goes along and is, is generally unintelligent. And as humans and thinking of ourselves as intelligent, we make it our duty to go in and fix things and increasingly and especially in this day and age we're finding that in our efforts to set the world to rights we have to a large extent disrupted the very well um, uh, organically created systems that that were and are in place that uh, take care of a large population of uh, codependent, inter, interdependent creatures, us being um, included. And in looking at it and thinking that uh, it is unintelligent and we are intelligent and trying to fix it, um, a great example would be uh, medicine. Um, modern medicine really looks at the world as just this corrupt uh, constantly falling apart, poorly designed uh, mechanism that needs at our that needs intervention at all levels. It needs drugs and surgery and I mean if I don't have any figures in front of me or anything, but uh, just the the percentage of the population of the uh, modern Western civilizations that are actually on some sort of chemical um, stabilizer or, uh, you know, antidepressants or any of a number of prescription medications, uh, we, we go in and try and fix the things that we think are counter to what they should be. Um, and really the idea of the Tao is an acknowledgement that there is in play a, a marvelous creative intelligent, uh, not, in, not intelligent as like a personality or as a thinking, uh, reasoning type uh, entity, but intelligent in that uh, what it's doing has, has a sense to it or can be made sense of. Uh, really, anytime we try to uh, put 
some sort of logical sense to make to to reason. Um, when we try to reason from anything, we are just by the very act of doing so uh, overprinting something that is really just wordless and um, undefinable. Uh, in defining it, we are uh, missing a large part of it. If that makes sense. Uh, to call a tree a tree is to miss the whole point. <laughs> because, um, you know, you can't get wet in the word water. That kind of an idea. The map is not the territory. Uh, and words are a map. And they're, they're not the things they stand for. But anyway, um, getting back to the Tao. I'm kind of wandering here. That's just kind of the way that these, uh, these little talks go. But um, I brought up the Tao as a as a thread back to that question of why do anything at all. And I think if you spend enough time with the Tao, and um, the text that I'm most familiar with is uh, Lao Tzu's Tao De Jing. Um, that's a great book. I think it's a great book for anyone's bookshelf. It's so uh, just simple and poetic, and it's easy to just kind of pick up and you know read a couple little passages, and there's always wisdom. There's always something to be, to be got from it. Um, and it's, it's, uh, very beautiful in its simplicity. And, uh, the, the, one of the recurring themes, and I wish I had a copy of it in front of me, uh, my copy is actually, uh, loaned out right now, so I don't have that in front of me. I would love to read a couple of passages, but, um, the theme that kind of returns again and again is, uh, just this idea that, a person who flows with the Tao is empowered by the Tao. And actually, the Tao De Jing, uh, Tao means, as we've been discussing, the way, or I like to think of it as the flow, the flow of everything, the flow of nature, the flow of um, the one continuous happening. Uh, so that being the Tao, the second word, De, um, De is uh, the power um, it's sometimes uh, translated virtue, um, but it's, it's essentially the power that is derived or inherent in the flow itself. And it's the idea that if you are caught up in a raging river and you're being carried downstream, the stream in this sense would be the Tao. And if you are trying to get out of it by walking or uh, otherwise moving as you would on dry land, uh, it's not going to work. You're just going to get bashed bashed on the rocks and generally have a bad go of things. But the, uh, the sage uh, swims with the river. It doesn't swim against the river. It doesn't try to make the river bend to their will. Um, the, the sage swims with the river and in so doing... Uh, acquires or is able to utilize, these might not be the best words, but is somehow uh, privy to the duh, which is the power. So the man who swims with the river has the power of the river behind him. Um, a little anecdote here, a little Zen story. Uh, a, a monk was walking along a path and saw an old man who was... Uh, doing something kind of up above a rapids and the old man slipped and fell in 
And the monk just gasped as he watched this old man uh, get swept down the stream and go over this waterfall. And there's all these jagged rocks at the bottom. And the monk watches this and is just sure that the old man is crushed and is dead. And uh, he, he, he walks along and then the old man comes down below the, uh, the rapids and just kind of comes up on the shore and gets up and picks up a new walking stick and goes on his way. And the monk is astounded at seeing this and, and runs up to the, to the old man and says, uh, that's amazing. I, mean, I, was, I was certain that you were dead and just dashed to pieces on those rocks. How, how is it that you were able to make it through that without a scratch? And the old man just kind of looks at him funny. And he says, when I go into the water, I become the water and I flow with the water. And so the rocks don't hurt me as I flow around them. And uh, I go in with the swirl and come out with the wave. And that really is um, just kind of that idea, the Tao, and uh, the du, the power that comes from it. So in discovering these concepts early on, um, I think it's, it's kind of natural to kind of look at this and to say, well, okay, um, everything's okay. There's, there's no correction that needs to be done on my part. Uh, there's no, I mean, my body knows what it's doing. There's no, no need to try and get in there and interfere with the, the processes of life that are, you know, happening anyway. And even to a, to an, an external extent to, to look at the world and to say, this is doing the only thing that it can be doing because it's doing the only thing that it is doing. And it's the Tao. And uh, just go with that. Don't try and fight it or change it or make it bend to your will, but go along with it. And uh, this idea, I think, is a, is a very powerful one. And um, the idea of the entire human realm as, as troublesome and painful and just uh, sometimes stupid as it seems uh, really is, if you look at it from the right light, from a from a detached perspective, uh, you can see it's just like any other, anything that you care to look at on this planet that's growing and living and changing. I've often said and told people that uh, one of my absolute favorite things to do in life that I think we are just so privileged to even be able to is uh, flying uh, on, a, on a commercial airliner or any other way to get into some magical contraption and be able to change our perspective so radically from, from anything that has ever been achieved by, uh, by humankind to um, take this macroscopic day-to-day -day world and just, within a matter of minutes, um, make it microscopic to, to shrink it down and see a bigger picture. And... Uh, Every time I fly, I, I just covet the window and I stare out at it the whole time and I'm just amazed to look out and see just this endless quilt work of farmland and cities and these tangles of roads that all just interconnect. It looks like a giant, sprawling, vascular creature. I mean, it looks like uh, you see all the same patterns and all the same shapes as any other network. Um, the tree network, the quintessential uh, constructal tree network that is um, taking a stem or a source and, and uh, 
branching out into different areas. I mean, if you if you look at uh, a city and how it grows, you you invariably have a water source. You have a little river, or a little stream, or something that that comes through, and the first uh, the first node of colonization is right along that water, uh, right along that that vein, and from it, all these little uh, mitochondria and uh, little units of production and uh, sustenance arise around it, and uh, a network of paths and you know roads uh, grow and connect, and it's just this big, uh, incredible organic structure that just spreads over the the face of the earth, and you you can't see a single individual human uh i mean you might see some cars cruising along the road and they almost look like they're the uh species that built it and to some extent they are but um you know from that height what does any individual look like i mean it doesn't even it doesn't even matter we're just a as i as i have termed it in the past we are the enzymes of an elephant uh this super organism that we are ourselves creating through our day-to-day actions yet which exists on a level we don't even see it we barely even know it's there all these networks that have been built over generations that that link us together like the neurons of the brain or the arteries of the heart of the vascular system um there it is and so this idea of the Tao, um looking at this and saying well uh, i mean who's to say this is right or wrong who's to say that we're doing things correctly or incorrectly um just just go with it don't don't try to change it just uh enjoy it and uh, all the all the stupidity and the suffering and the the misery of the the macrocosm uh, disappears at that at that larger perspective and we're just another little plant growing another little tree that is spreading out and uh breaking down energy gradients uh thermodynamically speaking <clears throat> Um so with that kind of being the the thought I think that's kind of the seed for that question of why do anything at all um cuz cuz a certain way of reading Taoist text almost really suggests that and the the sage or the the bodhisattva that is typically depicted and um I guess that's not quite correct because uh Taoism predates Buddhism by a few hundred or thousand years um but the the sage the wise man uh is very much a a Buddhist character uh, it's um generally depicted as just a hobo or just a jolly drunkard who doesn't give a thought to where he's sleeping that night or doesn't give a thought to um what he's going to eat or where he's going to end up he's just happy happily going about his way and smiling at people and um i think i always think it's interesting um just just goes to show the um very minimal level of understanding that we have in this culture of other cultures but it's funny to me um how the buddha is generally thought of as just a fat guy you know buddha bellies or we see all these sculptures all the time of the fat buddha and um that buddha is actually uh in japanese his name is hote or in chinese hongai 
And um, the fat Buddha is basically, um, he's just a bodhisattva. So he's not the Buddha, like the historical Buddha, uh, who was Gotama Siddhartha. He, he was the, um, who is believed to be the historical Buddha who sat down under the Bodhi tree and had the realization and um, propagated his ideas in, in the dialogue that has become Buddhism. Um, the, the fat Buddha, the Pongai, is... Um, is essentially a hobo. He's a uh, he was either Chinese or Japanese, but uh, he he's always depicted with a, a big belly and a big bag slung over his shoulder, almost like uh, Santa Claus, really. And uh, in that bag, he has trash that he has collected, and uh, he collects trash, things that nobody wants. And he he walks through the streets with his uh, his bottle of wine, and he he gives these marvelous pieces of trash to children who just love it, uh, all these little trinkets and, you know, fragments of pottery or whatever it may be. Um, that's, 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 uh, Hote, the fat Buddha. Um, but, but that is a, an image that comes from these, uh, these Eastern thoughts that largely, um, it's interesting because Chinese Zen, Chinese Buddhism is very much influenced by the earlier systems of thought that were there, um, which includes, to some extent, Confucianism, but to a larger extent, Taoism. And um, so this, this Buddhist idea mixed with the Taoist uh, principle uh, produces these characters and this I- ideal of the perfect human being uh, just human-hearted and... Um, just generous and generally carefree, and uh, when you when you start getting enough exposure to those types of examples, um, and even and even to an extent, Christ was kind of one of these people. Um, he you know hung out with the the thieves and the whores, and the sick, uh, you know, and uh, he he wasn't concerned so much with the the daily doings of the um, the institution around him. He was more just a, a person of the people. And uh, there, there are passages that are very rarely quoted in uh, churches, but um, where Jesus says, worry not about where you will sleep tonight or, or what you will eat. Um, the same kind of idea that uh, those who follow the path or those who follow God or trust in God or, you know, the Tao, or whatever you want to call it, uh, it will take care of you. Um, you. You will find something to eat. You will find a place to sleep. Uh, sleep happens. So with, with that kind of a... Uh, with that kind of thinking in mind, um, I think that is kind of the root of this question of why do anything at all? Because you, you start to see that to... to... Um, get too involved or too attached to what's what's going on is the quickest and easiest way to miss everything that's going on. Um, in planning for tomorrow, we miss today to a large extent. And, um, and uh, that, uh, I think, uh, again, I'm just trying to give a little uh, background to yesterday's uh, little talk, uh, why do anything at all? Um, is the sage just a, a perfectly idle person, or does the sage look for ways to improve his his surroundings and his his fellow man? Um, talking about McCabe and his uh, 
business-mindedness, his involvement in politics, and the, uh, the developing, uh, ever-developing, um, ever-changing uh, system of this, uh, you know, Fort, Fort Collins, Colorado is just the example. Um, you know, this, this growing, changing, living thing that is this local community and, uh, having for whatever reason, uh, under his own actions or, I mean, all of our own actions being placed in a, a position to influence those around us or to otherwise, uh, participate and, an influence, um, influence the world. Uh, is there a responsibility to do so? Um, reading these, these Taoist concepts, which are so just, I mean, simple and, and brilliant and, uh, illuminating and, and very liberating and, and empowering, um, all of these ideas, but does it, does it at the same time, um, destroy ambition and destroy uh, the want to or the um, the supposed responsibility of thinking for the future and planning ahead and um, and those types of pursuits uh, I, I went about my my existence for a good while um, now up until the present and really including the present uh, now I kind of I kind of walk the line back and forth between the two ideas of uh, on the one hand, being forward-thinking and preparing and uh, looking for ways to make the world a better place, or you know, whatever, however you want to term it, and on and uh, being completely content with everything as it is, um, and looking at uh, looking at the world as just this beautiful, growing organism that's doing what it's going to do. Um, anyway, and through us and by us, and uh, that's that's kind of the question that always comes up to me: is uh, is it really a choice the things that we do, or is it just our? I mean, we are the people who we are. So in in the given situation, uh, the actions that we that we follow are going to be are going to be what they are. Um, I feel constantly in talking about these things that it's it's saying nothing in in a lot of words, um, but that's been my argument for for quite a while. Is that even if you imagine that what you're doing is is by your own choice and your own, um, and it's hard not to feel that way because obviously at any moment there is an infinite. Um, continuum of, of possibilities that are constantly unfolding uh, and it, it really feels like we are just kind of at the helm and able to guide uh, ourselves and the, the situation into whatever direction we, we want. Uh, I mean I, I am right now as I usually am sitting on the floor of the greenhouse and just kind of in talking about this I'm now looking around me and seeing all this stuff that I have put you know many dozens of hours into building and, and, uh, and planting and just this whole environment that's now around me. Uh, was it, a, was it a choice to do that? I mean, it, it certainly on one hand feels that way that I, that there, there came a moment when I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. But it's, it's equally hard not to feel that, that the whole reason that this is here is just because of uh, one stream of actions that 
includes everything that uh, there there is no other outcome that could have been that uh, exists elsewhere that um, the choice could have led to it, it's very interesting uh, on one sense you know kind of science fictiony there there have been stories and things written about or even uh, I think there's a there's a couple ideas within quantum theory uh, that you know, hypothesize about an infinite number of parallel universes that essentially include every possible action um, continuously, which is just mind-boggling to think about. And I don't even really know how I can even wrap my mind around that in a way that makes sense. But the idea that, you know, there are an infinite, 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 infinite number of uh, coexisting realities um, within which each possible outcome is played out I don't I don't necessarily know that I subscribe to that because I don't I don't really know how to internalize that and make that something that is real I mean it's it's an interesting thing to think about but I don't I don't really I don't really even know how to begin thinking about that um, but still there's this uh, this underlying thought that uh, Everything will take care of itself just through participation. And I think this is kind of the way that I have changed this view because I've always been, uh, I mean, my, you know, my, my, my mottos, <laughs> the first being be here now, the second being go with the flow. It's with me, it's always go with the flow. And I think earlier go with the flow meant to me um, uh, just just kind of uh, a passivity, a, an accepting and a letting go um, of everything as it comes and goes. And uh, it's, it's very, very comfortable because you, without that attachment, you're, there is very little anxiety um, for anything because everything is understood to be temporal and transient and in flow and changing. And um, that kind of a go with the flow is is great for uh, curing what ails you, but at the same time, it leads back to the whole the whole topic of uh, the last talk and this one is um, after a while there is still for whatever reason that feeling um, that that to be perfectly idle is somehow less fulfilling in whatever way, whatever that means, than to, uh, to participate deeply and to, to, feel, um, to feel the power of creation through your actions, I think. And uh, as I said, now my, uh, my, my um, kind of modus operandi is, is a balance between these two. And I think that might be the, the better way to go about it. It's not a, it's not a complete passivity, um, in that, uh, nothing is really done and it's just a laziness. Uh, it can very quickly become laziness. Um, but more of a kind of, kind of having understood the first concept, the Tao, um, trying to understand the second concept, which is more elusive, which is the duh, and really trying to um, see, 
see the stream. So I guess uh, to amend the, the first um, motto, go with the flow, but know what stream you're in. Uh, I don't think you can ever really know what stream you're in, but there is a sense that in um, that you can't really you can't swim with the river <clears throat> if you don't know you're in a river. Um, and so, how do we know the characteristics of the river? River. How do we know which direction it's going? In those uh, in those stories, it's not implicit. It's uh, or maybe it is implicit. It's uh, it's not explicit. How. Um, you know, the sage falls into the river <clears throat> and knows how to flow around the rocks. I mean, that's never really explained. And that's really the mystery is uh, how to know or if it, if it, if it even is a knowledge, if it's a, uh, a knowledge that can be known to the mind or if it's just a, like a body knowledge that uh, your, your body kind of knows what to do. But um, I guess that's, that's really... About as far as I can take that, I, I'll just leave that with you to ponder. Um, because really, uh, in the end, it is a it is a it is a letting go. It's a participation with the complete understanding and expectation that nothing is is permanent. Um, it's a realization that for all of our pursuits, uh, we're not making anything better. We're just um, participating and enjoying. And, uh, and really just finding comfort with that. Uh, there, there is no way to, to perpetuate life any longer than it goes on. And, and life, as, as I kind of talked about yesterday, I mean, it really does, for each of us, include the, the, full, the full thing, the, the whole thing, um, from beginning to end, I mean, each of our lives is a is a universe being created and eventually going out. But not even uh, that. That was a thing. And yesterday, I kind of talked about squiggles and sediment and interstellar dust. Well, the kicker is is that none of us is going to be there to see it. So, does that even exist? Uh, I mean, one of my whole big my big things is that. Uh, if it's not here now, it's it's just in your mind. It's a concept, and it, it that's the only reality in which it exists is uh, as a thought in this moment. And so, thinking about the end of the world or thinking about uh, the in, the eventual sun burning out is really a. Uh, I mean, it could. It is not something that will happen in this universe, or maybe you know. It's it's possible that the sun could burn out tomorrow, and then I guess it would. But uh, for the most part, worrying about these types of things or uh, or thinking that it's all futile because it all is eventually lost, um, it I don't I don't think that we can say that for sure because uh, to some extent, you know, an an infant who is born and only lives a couple days and dies uh, in that time, that was a complete. And when I say complete, I mean I mean it. I mean every everything that could have been there is there uh, for that time. Um, and uh, the, again, that Indra's net image uh, is a great way to think about that kind of thing. Is that it, it was an entire gem for a, for a moment at a node in the web that contained all the others and was contained by all the others. But in itself, it was it was complete. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to be able to make any more. Uh, any more sense out of this than, than I've already previously attempted. So 
I'll just kind of let that fall by the wayside. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, um, going with the flow and, uh, and how to do that or, or why to do that. I think um, there, there came a point when I decided or, or realized, again, here, I mean, even just in our language, we have all of these artifacts that, that are indicative of this idea that, uh, we are, that we are perpetually deciding, that we are perpetually the agents of, of action, the centers of action. And uh, I, I, I don't know if that is, if that is the case. Um, I guess if, if that's the way it feels and that's the way that you decide, then, then it is, but it doesn't have to be, um, if that makes sense. But um, there came a point when I decided <laughs> that, uh, again, getting back to that whole earlier, younger, wanting so badly and just urgently uh, feeling like it was possible and... Uh, was my was my calling and duty to to figure out what was going on to figure out life and then to communicate it uh, that was my self imposed mission and duty and uh, I, I learned very quickly through those around me um, particularly with uh, or through conversations with Kayla um, when I would have one of these experiences and I just felt it was so important and it was just something that everyone needed to feel because Without that, you, you just miss this whole other thing that, that we don't get any other way. And it, it was just this urgent like call to, act, to arms and to action for, uh, for myself and for other people. And, and as I alluded to, nothing, tur- nothing turns people off quicker than to be told, A, that they're missing something, and B, that you know what it is and you know how to get there and you, you have a course of action that should be followed. If you have a great idea, that's just about the worst way that you can communicate it is to, is to take it and beat someone over the head with it. And so um, in this whole idea of, uh, of the Taoist going with the flow, I came to a point where I realized that the best way really to communicate um, these ideas was just to uh, think about them personally, you know, just to, uh, to take them upon myself and not so much, and of course here I am um, kind of going against this and uh, to an extent preaching, although that's not my intent. I'm just, as I stated previously, um, having a a conversation that would otherwise not take place and and is enjoyable. Um, But that through just our, just through our own life, whatever that may be, um, and just uh, being, being you know, um, generally just pleasant and happy and uh, a calming presence to people and, uh, you know, having the wisdom uh, that can be, can be found in these mythologies rather than trying to, to force other people to, to get it the way that you got it, to just, to just live it. And uh, in so doing, you will have a, a far more profound effect on those around you just through your own... Um, through your company with them or your uh, relationship with them. And uh, I think that's kind of, if anything, the, uh, the final... And, it's, and I mean, nothing is final. Life is a constantly uh, evolving um, uh, field of, of actions and thoughts. I always just find it um, very 
indicative and uh, fascinating that I can look back now um, at my life and see that at every stage of my life, I felt that I knew what was going on on some level. I mean, even if I was, you know, very, very much blown away by uh, all kinds of concepts, and I didn't have all the answers, obviously, but still this feeling that I know what's going on here, like... um, uh, I mean, we see this in kids all the time. I mean, kids know more than their parents, obviously. Uh, I mean, because they, they're living in a whole world that their parents don't even see. That just, uh, that they are um, fully ingrained in and capable, wise agents of whatever it is that they are doing. Or uh, what, what I'm getting at here is that looking back over our lives, uh, we always feel like we somehow have it at least in some way figured out. But the thing that gets me is that uh, when I look back, especially at um, my life, I, I realize that I've, that I've always felt that. But at any given time, I have thought something completely different. So uh, that, that really is kind of a, a, a big indicator of some of these other concepts that I've been talking about, um, including just these, these self, uh, self-contained universe um, that each of us that each of us is and and creates. But um, getting back to and hopefully concluding here, um, for me, what what all of this has meant is to is to enjoy enjoy the moment, um, enjoy as much as possible. And it, and it's hard sometimes. It's very hard. Um, and it's even harder when you feel that that's what you should be doing, and you and you try to enjoy the moment because that's the quickest way to miss it. Um, is to to look at the moment with some sort of expectation, but um, to really, as much as possible, just find enjoyment and find that that beauty that is everywhere, and to live um, to live in that and out of that, and to just um, just be kind and just be understanding and compassionate uh, for. For everyone around, uh, realizing that even if what they're doing to, to, to your logical mind is just stupid and barbaric and destroying the planet and threatening us all, um, just uh, to, to see that as this beautiful happening happening and not, uh, not rushing to arms to try and to change it or to change people, but to uh, just flow from your own center um, in the stream that is everything happening and um and and using that that liberation that uh that awareness that it is all temporal and it is all lost and it's you know there there is no there is no urgency um unless you decide there is but uh just uh just enjoying i guess uh but participating, um, not 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 participating, uh, and realizing uh, fully that that, uh, that that there is no big answer. Um, the the poem that I started out with uh, reading is a Zen poem that's uh, called "The Ten Bowls," and I I'm not sure. I think the poem actually came later. I think originally it was just a series of ten um, ink paintings. Um, that depicted uh, finding and catching and taming a bull. And um, if you listen to it again, um, 
kind of the arc of the story is uh, very much the, the arc of, of my story as I've been sharing it and all of our stories. I mean, that's, that's the idea is uh, in the beginning, the, uh, the character is in search of this bull and that's, uh, you know, following the footprints of the patriarchs to find this bull and chasing it through tall grasses and mountainsides. Uh, that is the, uh, and this is my interpretation here, but um, that is the chasing down of this idea that there is this 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 knowledge or this um, understanding that that is uh, that must be found that is our duty to find or anything. I mean, the bull could be the completion of some project or some some um, something you take up in your life or you feel is out there that you need. It's it's whatever you're missing. It's whatever you feel that you're missing is the bull, and uh, the character goes out and eventually, you know. Once he gets far enough away from his familiar surroundings, he finds the footprints and uh, eventually finds and tames the bull and brings it back to town. And uh, the, the last uh, panel, I mean, he eventually realizes that uh, there, there wasn't even a bull. There, there, was no, there was no bull. There was no whip to tame it. There was no anything really at all. And uh, they call it the ten bulls, but the... The last uh, figure, the last image, is just an empty circle, um, and that really is—that uh, really is, I guess, the uh, the point of um, of what I've been trying to uh, allude to or get at is that uh, in the end, you know, chasing these things down. I mean, go, I, there there wouldn't be that beautiful poem if that if that character had not gone out and looked for the bull. You know, in looking for the bull, all of the beautiful artwork and and our our whole civilization is the pursuit of that bull. Yet the the last figure is um, the last image is that that no thing, that emptiness. Um, and uh, knowing that and living that is uh, is uh, is what it is. So, uh, with that, I will conclude, and I will thank you again for listening, and uh, I look forward to uh, rambling at you again soon. <laughs>